Go ahead. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. And this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 27, beginning on the third paragraph, he said to the doctor, and reading through two paragraphs, ending with an alcoholic of your description, and comments will be on both paragraphs. Today's readers for the 12 Steps, Sam F., 12 Traditions, Barb W., readers of the text, Larry K., Nancy P., Crystal P., our newcomer greeter is Reba P., and the host for the second hour is Sandy W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, January 5th, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,132, that's 16132, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,133. That's 16133, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sam S. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you. Thanks for leading, Lisa. I'm Sam S. I'm a compulsive reader. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pat. Thank you, Sam S. And I will now ask Barb W. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, Barb W. from Naperville, Illinois, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our readers are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for the opportunity to serve. Thank you, Barb W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 27, the third paragraph beginning, he said to the doctor, through two paragraphs ending with an alcoholic of your description, and comments will be on both paragraphs. And I'll now ask Larry Kay to please begin our reading. I'd be happy to. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have what are called vital spiritual experiences. 
to me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I've been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Larry Kay, uh, a compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, you know, when I read this paragraph, of course, um, we're talking about uh, uh, Dr. Young, who's, of course, as we know, working with Roland Hazard. And, you know, a couple of things, you know, more than a couple of things st uh, step out to me here. Um, when, you know, he's, he's telling him, he's giving him the truth about his condition, right? And what jumps out at me is he's saying that, yes, there, there have been exceptions. You know, they're rare. But once in a while, alcoholics have what are called vital spir spiritual experiences. And we've, we've read in the appendix, uh, you know, how they define the, the distinction between the spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening. And it's, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> you know, trying to define that is not easy either. You know, I, I was in the room when my daughter was born. I can tell you all about the experiences of my, you know, being a father, being in the room uh, when my daughter was born. I cannot tell you what it's like to give birth. <laughs> um, the women on the line uh, that have had children, they have experienced that they can tell you. So, so, so too with the spiritual experience and spiritual awakening. Talks about uh, these occurrences are phenomena. You know, a phenomena is something, you know, that's observed to exist. It's, you know, it's something that is. Um, and, you know, he's saying they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, right? And, um, and I've experienced some of that, but I'm still experiencing some of that, you know, as I work through the steps uh, uh, once again. And, um, yes, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, were, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, you know, were now dominated by new things. And this speaks for, to me, to the need for, for a change of depth. There's got to be a deep, deep experience. Um, and, and, and we need to be deflated. I know for me, I need to be deflated. I don't like being deflated. It's not very comfortable. But we need to be deflated to the point of giving up. And it, what, it, what, it's, what, what, uh, what he's describing is a complete renewal of the mind in order to recover. I'll just tell you that, you know, like, for example, it comes to mind because it's so fresh. Um, last night, you know, I am working through the steps again. And last night, um, you know, after I was uh, giving away a fifth step, I'm still in the process of that. Um, my daughter, Beth, you know, we were downstairs and we're talking and we had, I didn't see it coming. She didn't see it coming. But we had a deep connection on an emotional level. It wasn't my plan. I don't think it was her plan. But God, it was God's plan. I will tell you that. I, I couldn't prove that to you, but it was God's plan. And we had a deep connection on an emotional level. And we communicated, you know, in a way that we hadn't in a while. Um, we've had those, those times. And I feel very, you know, close to Beth. Close relationships in my life. And that's one of them. But... Um, you know, God had planned that. And, and yes, you know, I'm experiencing the continual unfolding of this transformation when you're willing, open and honest. And I'm, and I'm 
and I'm exploring those things, right? And so there were tears, you know. Tears don't, I don't know about you, but tears don't come easy to me. They can't be strategic or, or manifested or any of those things, but it was beautiful. We both felt it was beautiful, and, and God intended for that. I believe that. Yeah. And so same thing, uh, just wrapping up, Lisa, same thing here with Dr. Young, when he's talking, Roland Hazard would have to have that experience too. I'm not suggesting tears or anything. It's, we're all different. But he would have to have an experience of death that would unfold in God's time. Same with me, same with you. Beautiful, beautiful way of life. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Larry, for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday on the line, if you'll hold back and let others share, uh, the line's now open. I can take um, names for those who'd like to share. Sharon, Liz, Liz, Sharon, Reva, Liz, Loretta, Liz. Nancy P. I'm sure I've missed some people. Um, Cheryl A. Hang on. Nancy okay, P. stop right there. I got you, Nancy. Okay, let me tell you who I got, and you'll have to remind me um, of your last name. I have Sharon, Harlan, Reva P., I think Loretta H., Liz, Nancy P., I want to say Gloria. And Cheryl, um, and if I miss somebody, I'll come back around. And if you'll please um, tell, tell me the first initial of your last name when you share. So I have Sharon P. followed by Harlan G. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right, Sharon? Hello? Can you, you hear me? You? Yes, I can. Okay, sorry about that. My phone was having issues. My name is Sharon, and I'm a grateful recovering um, food addict and many other things. And thank you so much for that reading um, and for your um, for leading the uh, the shares. Um, really, really impacted me. Um, I'm so grateful to know that um, today I have 320 days of miraculous abstinence. This has never happened before. And when I heard the word depth, and, you know, there's a phrase in the in the big book, um, needs to be, needs to experience depth and weight. Um, With my recovery, um, that's the first thing I thought of um, that has changed, that that has transformed my life. When I do anything in my life that's mundane, that's, That's, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that I have to do daily, regular routine. There is depth and weight in everything I do uh, today. That never happened 
ever. Um, I never had a schedule. I never conformed. I never was able to just clean the floor every day and wipe something up or vacuum or do ironing, these regular, ordinary things that I do daily now have so much meaning when I pick up the phone and call my sisters. So much meaning, so much love, so much caring. Um, You know, uh, Carl Jung had no idea the impact he had on the creation of Alcoholics Anonymous. And whenever I read that paragraph, that's what I think of, that it took another recovering alcoholic to visit with him decades later after AA was created uh, for him to actually learn of his impact. So with that, I'm so grateful to be a member. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon P. And Harlan G., you're up, followed by Reva P. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. Um, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. When we look at this paragraph, let's take a look, let's peruse it, and take a look at how many times Dr. Jung is going to suggest the phenomenon of change to Roland Hazard. Let's take a look here. It says here, here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences change. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. The reason he called it a phenomenon is because he really didn't understand it himself, but he knew that when he saw these spiritual experiences or knew of these spiritual experiences that they altered the person in attitude, behavior, and idea. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements, change, and rearrangements, change, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces in the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, change, and a completely new set of conceptions change and motives change begin to dominate them in fact i have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement change within you what do i have to change to recover everything every subscription that i have in my head to negative thinking must be canceled Every set of ideas in my head of what I think should have happened, could have happened, would have happened, has to be discontinued if I'm going to recover. I cannot hang on to these things and still progress forward. What do they say? Let go or be dragged. I need a complete rearrangement. And Dr. Jung was telling Roland in this situation that everything must change. Can I change it by myself? No. Can I will myself to change my attitudes, behaviors, and ideas? No. I work the steps 
and in the working of the steps and the constant, constant growth that the steps will produce if I work them above all else. It will come organically. I cannot will myself into being a generous or, or selfless person on my own. It has to come through action. And that means I'm going to have to start somewhere. And where I have to start is by putting the food down. Where it goes from there is I get a sponsor and I start working the steps. And I continue working them every moment of my day, of my life, until I'm gone. This is what will produce the necessary change. Lisa, thanks for taking the meeting today. Thanks to Team Wednesday for doing the service here and making this magnificent meeting possible. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Harlan G. And Reva P., you're, you're up, followed by Loretta H. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, it strikes me that just a few paragraphs before, I learned that I am utterly, completely hopeless. And then he asks the doctor, is there no exception? Um, and what the doctor doesn't tell him is, here's a great food plan. Here's a plan of how you just keep the drink down. He tells him that he has to have a complete change of mind and attitude. Um, and when I came in here, I just wanted to learn how to control the substance. Um, I thought it was the food that was the problem. Um, I didn't know that it was the solution. Um, and it made no sense to me that this had to do with anything in my thinking. And, and this is the clincher. This is the description of what is a spiritual awakening or experience. And if I want details, I look in the appendix. But this whole complete change of mind. Um, and I can't change my mind myself, um, and it boggles my mind when I try to figure it out. All I have to do is put down my alcoholic foods, ingredients, behaviors, work the steps, and the change happens to me as a result of that action. Um, what also strikes me is that word vital. Like, it is essential. If I think I'm going to get recovered in any other way, um, it's not going to work. I need to have this kind of experience um, that happens only as a result of working the steps. And the part that strikes me the most is at the end when he says, I've been trying um, to create this change in you, but I've never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. So doctors alone, that doctor can't do it. Human aid can't do it. And if I keep searching for human aid, whether it's in the form of a doctor or somebody in program or a sponsor, um, it's not going to work. Um, that has to happen from some other power outside of me that I access by working the steps and clearing the way. And I can't even put into words um, how my mind has changed um, over the years. Um, and it's, my, it's, it's just amazing. Um, but I don't do it. It just, just sort of happens from doing the work. Um, and who'd have thought, who'd have thought the solution was that and, and not a food plan? Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Loretta H., you're up, followed by Liz. And she'll have to give me the first initial of her last name, Loretta. 
Hi. Good morning, Lisa, and everyone on this line who saves my life every day. This is Loretta H. Recovered. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. And with God's grace, and only because I've had an attitude adjustment, uh, today is day, um, and I count, I do the only days, 7,300 days of out of the food and abstinence. God is good. And I was in the disease for 54 years, so that equates to 20 years, so you know how old I am today. Anyway, with God's grace, and I did have a spiritual experience on that day because I finally gave up. As I, you, Everybody hears my story about Central Park and the girl who met me in the park and ran with me and actually um, did a 12-step with me and uh, I finally gave up when we finished running, and I said, take my food. Take it. Just take it. And with God's grace and working the steps, as I have throughout the years, a wretch like me has been saved. And um, I, as Bill says, I uh, also read the appendix because I'm of the educational variety, and that is for sure. The only way I can get to even understanding or I stand under God and understanding that God has me covered is by working the steps and looking at my um, defects of character in the steps and also in step 10 and in step 11, which I do every night, which brings me awarenesses that I have to just continue, 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 continue as somebody on this line, recover, 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 because I'm never cured. It's arrested one day at a time. I am graced one day at a time with God's abstinence, and it is God's abstinence. But I have to know, not know God, but I have to find God and do his directives in order to stay in the solution. And so with God's grace today and with all of you who always help me uh, in working my steps and being a sponsor, I get to have this grace to share with other people. And so thank you, everyone, and blessings on this day. Uh, Seven is my lucky number, and so I've got a lot of sevens today. So have a blessed and safe day, and thank you for your service and recovery, everyone who does. It. And without a tap. Thank you, Loretta H. And Liz, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Hi, it's Liz, S as in Sam. And uh, thank you. <laughs> this is actually, I think, one of my favorite passages in the book. And it, it also just occurred to me that, you know, Roland was away for a year under doctor's care. And as soon as he gets on that boat, he picks up. You know, which tells me that um, unless we change, unless something fundamental changes, unless we do something uh, along the lines of what Dr. Young tells us about, unless there is a spiritual experience, we are doomed. And what I love about this paragraph is exactly how Dr. Young explains the uh, the, uh, spiritual experience and it helps me to understand what I have to do. I must change the way I've been living, thinking, acting, treating others, all of it. 
has to go. I sort of think of myself as being turned inside, <laughs> turned inside out, sort of, you know, sprayed clean, uh, you know, like gone through a lot, gone through a car wash, and come out the other side. And um, I just cannot continue to live the way I have lived, to think the way I have thought, to behave the way I have behaved, or I will not recover. And it truly helps me to understand that a spiritual experience means change, to do differently, act differently, be differently, treat others differently. And I, I, that's why I love his, his entire explanation of what that is. And I worked with a doctor once who said the hardest thing he had to do was to get people to change. And I can understand that. And I think this book is what helps us to change and to understand the necessity that we must change or we will not get well. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Liz S. And Nancy P., you're up, followed by Gloria. Hi, good morning. Thank you for letting me share. Nancy P., calling from West Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston. So I'm on board with everybody else about this change thing. Um, I needed it. I desperately wanted to change. Or what I, before I changed, before I changed, I, I wanted to have the effects of the change without actually changing, right? I wanted to eat and be thin, essentially. Um, but when I was desperate enough, I began to see that I really needed to change. And all this, you know, we can will it with all our might. We can wish it with all our might. And that never got me anything. It never got me anywhere. And, you know, changing my food plan, you know, grocery store, you know, end, end racks where the diets lose 12 pounds in two weeks by following this easy plan, you know, or whatever, celebrities. And that never worked. Nothing ever worked. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I wanted to change. And I, you know, for me, it had to be broken down into little tiny steps, bite-sized pieces, if you will. Sorry for the food metaphor. But, um, you know, I had to awaken first before I could get any kind of relationship with a higher power. And so I had to figure out who I was and who I wasn't, you know. First, was I an alcoholic? Was I a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety? Yes. And then, okay, so that's, you know, check in the, in the check mark column. But then what am I going to do? And, you know, change, it was sort of on the other side of a piece of glass. Like I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there until one thing happened. All right, everybody say it with me. Surrender, 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 surrender. And how did I get there? I had to be desperate. The elevator only goes down. You know, life tapped me on the shoulders many times in my life. And I'm sure I've heard other people talk about horrific catastrophes that happened to them. And they chose to eat too, you know. We've all, I mean, I don't know, many people that I know, not all of us maybe, but for sure me, you know, one thing after another happened over the course of many years. And I didn't think I needed to change. And I didn't think I was desperate. I was like, no, no thanks, I've got this. You know, how about now, Nancy? Do you surrender now? No, I've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And finally, I got off the elevator when my poor daughter, my precious girl, was hacking herself up with a razor blade and burning herself to a crisp. Then I got off the elevator and I said, okay, this one I cannot handle. And it was, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me, even though it was monumental, exactly what it says in the book. You know, huge emotional rearrangement, a new set of conceptions. And not even that, I just stopped and I said, whatever happens 
to me has got to be better than I was, just like what the doctor's opinion says. I mean, every single thing. When I followed the directions in this book, every single thing that happens in this book happened to me. Not in real time necessarily, but by the time I was done, you know, with the 11th step, um, I was changed. And, and as Harlan said, organically, I love that because, no, I didn't take any pills. I didn't add any chemicals. I just surrendered. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Gloria, you're up, followed by Cheryl. And if you'll both give me the first initial of your last name. Hi, this is Gloria Kay from South Florida. I love this paragraph and the whole thing about Dr. Young. I really identify with it, especially the part about um, being called a vital spiritual experience. And if you can imagine, I had this experience in public. Um, I used to go there, and I'm talking about this is 34, March will make 34 years in the program. Um, and never perfect, uh, but, but I've been working this program for 34 years, and I did have a spiritual experience in public. What happened was is that I used to go in there and pick up a certain substance and eat the whole bag. I paid for it, but I just couldn't stop. And, um, and then every day was a diet. Every day I'd say, oh, today, today I'm on, my, I'm on a new, new thing. By lunch, I was done. Or they'd have some goodies in the um, break room, and I'd be back and forth and back and forth, and people would say to me, Gloria, I thought you, you were on a uh, diet today. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, but I just wanted to try this thing, and, and I embarrassed myself. And it wasn't the weight, because at, at that point, I was only maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 pounds more than I am today. But all I know is that the way I ate and how much, the quantities, I was an equal opportunity eater, and I ate healthy food. But when I got into the sugars and the flour, I, there was no stopping. There was just no stopping. So I did, and I do have a vital spiritual experience. And I, my relationship with God is very strong. And I thank you all for listening. Both Gloria Kay from South Florida. Thank you, Gloria Kay. And Cheryl, you're up. Oh, can you hear me now? I can. Thank you. Oh, great. This is Cheryl A. from Brookline, Massachusetts, recovered uh, compulsive overeater. I love this so much, this part of the big book. It, it's, it is one of the most clarifying um, paragraphs for a brain like mine that wants to overthink most things. When it says ideas, emotions, attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of thought, the lives of these men were suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives began to dominate them, there's just nothing more hopeful to me than that, because so much of what I have tried over the years, initially through food and then ultimately through lots of other behaviors, have tried to escape is my head my mind, my thinking, my fears, my worries. But this tells me that a whole new conceptions and motives 
happen. It's like it's like a new you know, it's a new motherboard that gets put in there. And um the the other part that I find so hopeful is down below when it says, In fact I've been trying to produce some of the such emotional rearrangement within you and he's never been successful with an alcoholic of his description. Well that sounds pretty um daunting, right? Like it's, it's it sounds like it doesn't happen very much. Except back at that time, there were there weren't twelve steps. See, now we know how to bring about that rearrangement. Carl Jung couldn't do it back then, but but we can do it. We have a prescription, this divinely um, put together set of twelve steps that was gifted to the world, and now we know. Now we know. This is if you want a, a, an emotional rearrangement. Well, here's what we need to do, and guess what? It can be successful for anyone who does that, who's who's willing to be rigorously honest. And that, oh, my gosh, it's like, what a relief. We know how to bring it, bring it about now, and it's 12 steps. What I have to do is not overthink it, and it gets complicated, too, as, as I get deeper into recovery and I go to deeper layers of my own onion. And I go back to my default, which is to try to figure out how to change that behavior. Well, I'd best be beware because I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out with food how to stop eating, and I can't figure it out with the rest of me. But I can take action after action and work 12 steps and work with others. And here it says, I will be successful to bring about what is an emotional rearrangement a whole new set of conceptions and motives, and I have experienced that. So as I go deeper and deeper into recovery, I don't have to overthink how to do that anymore. And as someone said earlier, it happens to me, not by me. I take the actions, and that beautiful, amazing, what appears to be magical, but it's not. Recovery happens. It's about bringing in and, and expanding my relationship with a higher power. And these 12 steps tell me how to do it. I'm with that, I pass. Thank you, Cheryl A. And before I take another list of those who'd like to share, just a reminder that we are on page 27 in the chapter, There is a Solution. Beginning on the third paragraph, he said to the doctor, through two paragraphs ending with an alcoholic of your description and comments on both paragraphs. And who else would like to share this morning? Mary G. Sarah R. from New York. Sarah G. Sarah R. Melissa G. <clears throat> Melissa G. I heard someone around. Maria C. Maria. Kathy C. Maria. Kathy. Darian. Darian. I missed somebody. Okay. Hold up for, let's hold up for just a second. Um, I have Larry G. Sarah R. Melissa G. Maria. Kathy. And there was Darian K, and I missed someone before Darian. Priscilla H. Priscilla. Okay, we better. We may. That may take us to the end of the meeting. Um, and if you all will please remind me of the first initial of your last name, Larry G. You're up, followed by Sarah R. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service uh, and all the people who make this call possible. My name is Larry G. I'm from uh, California. Um, I am grateful, recovered, compulsive eater. Um, oh, my God, you guys are amazing. This reading from this big book, studying from this big book each day has 
has changed my life. Um, I've been coming around OA a long time, a long time, 26 years, uh, a total of 32 years, six years I was in relapse. I would, I would uh, lose 100 and, and then gain 100 and come back. And I don't want to say that I never surrender. I did, I did surrender each time I came back. But the difference is, is that I never, the idea was never smashed that I, one day, the idea was never smashed that one day I could eat like a normal person and I would hold out for that and then um, go do my thing and use AOA as a diet program. Um, and I don't know what happened on May 17th when I joined A Vision for You. Uh, I can tell you that uh, my soon-to-be sponsor, I didn't know at that time, my soon-to-be sponsor recommended this call. Um, it was Sunday, so it was not a live call. I got on a pre-recorded call. I said, that's pretty interesting. Um, and I was in pain. I had just had three dinners that night after uh, a 22,000-calorie binge on Friday night. And I know exactly how many calories because I looked it up. Um, and I had this frothy emotional peel all day, Saturday and Sunday, and I couldn't hold it together until Sunday. I had three dinners. It's 115 degrees here in Sacramento, and I was just sick as a dog. Um, but Monday, when I got on the call and heard person after person share um, who, who ate the way I ate and thought around food the way I thought around food, uh, when I got that call, I collapsed. It was not a gradual or educational variety surrender. It was a complete collapse. Uh, I got on my knees. And I, I sobbed because I had been selling myself to my fellow members and other fellowships as this humble person. And I was far from humble, um, far from it. And I had no idea what humility was. Um, and I had what Bill describes uh, in his own experience um, as, as not, this was not gradual, this was sudden. Um, and when I came out of that surrender, I have said yes to everything uh, since May 17th. We talk about willingness, but we don't often talk enough about open and honesty. I am open like a book. I, I was, it was suggested uh, two days ago by a member I've asked to support me and my food suggested uh, to look at, a particular food that I was eating, you know, and I, I drive uh, a car and I've got these rear view and side view mirrors, but I've got blind spots. I didn't really see that. And prior to May 17th, I said, you know, um, I'll pray about this, which was a thinly disguised F you. Right. Uh, and I don't know the words, the words roll out of my mouth. Uh, thank you. I, I will, I will, I will do that. And I've done that ever since. Uh, thank you so much. I passed. Thank you, Larry G. And Sarah R., you're up, followed by Melissa G. Good morning. Are you able to hear me? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Sarah R., attempting recovery one minute at a time in the beautiful, freezing state of New York. Um, hearing the reading this morning, uh, it's funny, like different things were coming up, you know, and especially at the end where he said, I've never seen an alcoholic of your kind recover. And it's funny because what brought me into here was originally, you know, just to lose a few, just to lose a few pounds. You know, I've done in the past, right, because I can starve myself and I've starved myself into looking like a bag of bones with my organs popping out. So in my head, I said, yeah, I, I could lose weight. You know, granted, I'm on the other end of the spectrum, like, 
blown up extremely. Um, not in a negative way, in a positive way. That's just like a description. And it's funny because I heard the doctor saying, of your kind. I've never seen an alcoholic of your kind. And what came up for me right away is, you know, terminal uniqueness. Because for me, I'm always like, okay, nobody gets anything. It's always just me. And part of what kept me in my disease is just they don't get it. And here he's saying, you know, originally when I when 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 the when Larry was reading it, I, I heard right away, look, Sarah, you are terminally unique. But then I was like, one second, one second. You know, what's what's really coming up is I'm not. There's a whole bunch of people like me that this is just I don't want to say our issue because that means our higher power messed up with creating us. This is just what we have. You know, we have eyes, nose, and mouth, and we can't really eat properly the way like everybody else. And that's why this, this spiritual solution and, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of comforting because I know even now, right. We put down the food, but then the food was our solution. You know, the food was my solution. And, now that I don't have that, you know, sometimes I, all I think is that, okay, I can't binge but maybe I could just not eat one meal here or there. And I'm still using it a little bit. I don't, I, I don't, I eat what I need to, but in my head, I, it's funny. Cause even though I'm at the very beginning and like slowly trudging minute by minute, learning, you know, how to like apply these tools, I still want to use food as a punishment or a solution and as to feel things. And, you know, just as we're reading in the book, that's it. You know, it's unless, unless, as he said, some spiritual awakening and you know what, yesterday, especially things were really bad. They actually weren't, but you know, in the Sarah show, I made something mean something and it really ruined my day. And while I was having a, uh, you know, feeling bad for myself in the bathroom, I heard other people talking about the same thing and it turns out it had nothing to do with me, it's company-wide. So, thank you. So, my point is, this spiritual way of life and the steps is really the only way that could take all of us terminally unique food alcoholics and just have us have a life worth living. So, thank you all, and with that, I pass. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Sarah R. And Melissa G., you are up, followed by Maria from Ireland, I think. Hi, um, this is Melissa G. from Michigan. Thank you for hearing me, compulsive overeater. Um, so, yeah, the spiritual change, I missed this the first time around. I think I came in um, with a pretty good relationship with God where I can see many places where God um, really showed up in my life big. But when it came to the spiritual change, um, I thought it was going to be easy and just happen. and it didn't, which, of course, then I learned the hard way um, by relapsing. Um, I, I think I left the spiritual change. It was still focused on, you know, the weight that I lost. Um, you know, I was down 120 pounds, so obviously I must have had this change that everybody's talking about. But yet I was still wrapped up in the world and letting everything around me knock me out of peace and serenity. And... Um, as that built up, as, you know, we hear, um, eventually I wasn't letting that go and turning it over to God, and I was back in the food. Um, 
which now I've learned was a surrender problem. Um, yes, I might have surrendered my food plan, but I didn't surrender my life and my will, and I still did not understand what acceptance actually was. I can say that today I am in a much more peaceful place, but I have to do it on purpose. Um, I can't assume that because I was in peace yesterday that I'm going to be in peace today. It's a constant turnover and surrender to God. And I appreciate you all for teaching me that. And I hope you guys have a good day. Pass. Thank you, Melissa G. And Maria, you're up, followed by Kathy. And if you'll both give me the first initial of your last name. Hi, Lisa. My name is Maria F. As in Frank, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from County Dublin in Ireland. And yeah, I loved all the shares this morning. And what a great paragraph. You know, it's the paragraph where um, the problem led me to the solution. And I often wonder if Dr. Young. Um, if he knew that this conversation would be one of the first links of the chain of events that would lead to the foundation of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I wonder if he knew the impact of this conversation. Um, and, you know, Dr. Young is telling Roland Hazard that he must have, you know, what he calls a vital spiritual experience, that he must have profound change if he's to overcome his addiction. Um, and he calls it, yeah, what, we, what we've shared already, you know, he, he calls this change a phenomenon. And he calls it a phenomenon because even he, who's the third most eminent psychoanalyst in the world, he can't explain this. He's seen it in other people. Um, and to the current, he saw happen, which he's absolutely no explanation for. Um, and Roland has it, he protests this with Dr. Young because he says that he already believes in God. You know, so why should he have to have a vital spiritual experience? And uh, Dr. Young tells him that a belief in God is not going to be enough. That in order for him to... Um, overcome the drinking, he'd have to change. Um, he'd have to change completely um, in order to have that vital spiritual experience. And Dr. Young has really taken a risk here when he's sharing this observation with Roland Hazard because, you know, there's a letter, um, it's a lovely letter in the AA, um, CA Pass It On book where Bill writes to um, Dr. Young in 1961 and tells him the impact of this conversation. And yeah, and Dr. Young, he, he says to Bill, you know, that he took a risk in that because he was going to be, he thought he might be misunderstood um, and what would people think of, of his view. But yet he put himself out there. He did this and he did something that changed things for us. Um, and that's just amazing. And uh, and he goes on, doesn't he? He says, you know, um, that he's been trying to produce such arrangements within Roland Hazard to been trying to do this for the past year. But there was no avail because Roland Hazard got drunk he got us drunk on his way home from Switzerland and he's been working with him every week for a year and he goes out and he gets drunk and he gets drunk because he's and the reason that I sorry Maria I don't know if it's just on my line, but um, you're breaking up. Adjustment and that right way of thinking. Oh, can you hear me now, Lisa? Oh, right. Yes. I don't know if it was mine or where it was coming from. Can you hear me now, Lisa? Yeah, Maria. I I think um, 
well, it's time. I'm sorry. I, I pass on. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I can't. I don't know if it's me or if it's Maria, but um, thank you so much for your share. And Kathy, I don't have the initial of your last name. You're up. Um, and you may be our last share. And then perhaps Pr- Priscilla H. So Kathy, please share with us. Maybe this is my line. <laughs> can y'all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Um, I haven't heard from Kathy. Priscilla H., are you available? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'll go right ahead because mine is brief. I'm Priscilla H., grateful to be recovered and recovering food addict today. Um, the word that jumps out at me from this whole um, paragraph is suddenly. The lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side. And I underlined that and I wrote in my book over the word suddenly, not not for me, not suddenly. And I, I want to share this just in case there might be somebody on the line today who's brand new and has not had an opportunity to read um, Appendix 2 about the edu- the experience of the educational variety. For some people, the transformation, uh, the spiritual awakening, the emotional displacement and rearrangement does happen suddenly, but for some of us and for myself, I can speak for myself, yes, there have been what I like to think of as magic moments along the way, moments that I remember vividly where I would suddenly realize something or other about myself and my disease and my recovery. But overall, um, the process has been, of, for me, of the educational variety for the last almost 33 years now that I've been in OA, in and out and in again. <clears throat> and um, and it just gets better and better, i got to tell you. It just gets better and better, but it's a gradual process. And I like to say that the God of my not understanding does not wear a watch, <clears throat> excuse me, or hang a calendar on the wall. Um, it's a it's a process, a slow, ongoing for me, ongoing process. So don't be discouraged, anybody who thinks that it has all of this has to happen suddenly, totally, once and for all. No, for some of us, it's a process. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Priscilla H. And we've come to the end of our time. Darian, I hope, Darian Kay, I hope you'll stay on to share on the next hour. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Um, Thank you, Team Wednesday, for your service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, January the 6th, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,000. 138. That's 16138. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you. I will. Um, This is Nancy P. again from uh, West Newton, Massachusetts. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you for letting me share, and 